Welcome, friend. This is I Need Thee Every Hour, a podcast dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are listening to your ministering sister, Casey Mills. Hello. Thanks for joining me again. I wanted to start out by reading a passage of scripture in the Bible. Luke chapter 15. Jesus gives the parables of the lost sheep, the piece of silver, and the prodigal son. Now, Jesus basically was saying, you know, in in reference to the time that they lived in, he said, if you, you know, have a hundred sheep and you lose one, do you not leave the 99 and go in search of that one? Are you not thrilled when you find it? You tell everybody, you know, I lost this one, but I, I found it again. Same thing with um, it says a, a woman had 10 pieces of silver. She lost one of the pieces of silver. She didn't just go on with her day. She did everything she could to find that one piece and uh, devoted time and energy to finding it. And once she found it, she was again, she was thrilled and told everyone she knew. And then he tells the parable that we all know well, I believe. He says, And this is uh, verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Basically asking for his inheritance up front. His father wasn't dead yet, and he wasn't entitled to have his inheritance yet, but he asked his dad to give it to him. And the father did. He divided it unto him. And it says, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. So he left. He took his inheritance and he took off. Okay. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country. And he sent him into his fields to feed his swine. And he would have fain have, excuse me, and he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So he was pretty destitute, basically. And when he came to himself, meaning he suddenly realized, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So he's just realizing, like, psh, the servants that my father has are treated better than I'm being treated right now. Um, he says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he, he knows he doesn't deserve it. And he knows that he's probably brought shame to his father and his father's name. He knows he knows he's not worthy to be considered his son anymore, but he is begging him to save him, basically, save his life, um, and asks, can I be one of your servants? And he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. Now this was the brother. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I do serve thee. Excuse me. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, meaning killed the the fatted calf, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. It was meet or necessary that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. For me, when I first heard this story, I remember kind of sympathizing with the, I'll just call him the jealous son, the brother, the older brother, um, he, you know, I think I kind of got where he was coming from a bit. And I was just kind of like, well, yeah, like he has every right to feel how he's feeling, right? You know, I, I, I'll I, admit that there was a time in my life I, I could be a bit judgy and holier than thou. You know, I thought I was doing everything right, and I would kind of, you know, want to nitpick what other people were doing and say, well, I, you know, if I was them, I wouldn't, you know, do that or whatever, right? You know, we all, we all, we all have been there. Um, but this, this reference to the jealous son, jealous brother, um, actually uh, got me thinking more recently about my daughters I have four daughters I have a I have a, a, a stepdaughter and uh, I'm sure that she you know um, has been in this situation um, as well I, I'm I'm sure she wouldn't be exempt from this but uh, more specifically I've I've had to address this kind of thing with my uh, my four uh, biological daughters um, where if I you know it's it's really sad actually, when you think about it. Um, but like, like, let's say I compliment one of my daughters on something that they've um, done well, or something they are good at, a talent they have, or, 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 or something that they've done um, that's made me proud. And when I've, when I've 
you know, made it a point. I, I want to point that out to them. I want them to know, you know, what I think of that. I want I want them to to hear hear my thoughts, hear my positive thoughts on that. And then what ends up happening sometimes is then my other daughters or maybe just one of them kind of takes it personal and, you know, wonders why I'm not saying that to them in, in that moment. Or maybe they think it's been a while since mom's, you know, said something like that to me or, or well, I, I did something like that and, and mom didn't make such a big deal out of it or, you know, those, those kinds of things. Um, and it's easy to, you know, kind of want to uh, take it personal when, when, you know, instead of being happy for that person and joining in and saying, yeah, you, you did that very well. And, you know, but it's human nature, I think, to to look at ourselves and and then, but it but it's hard. It's hard to look at ourselves in a in a critical way, and we we want to blame others, right, for something that we we perceive in ourselves. It's a difficult thing to say. Well, why am I feeling jealous right now instead of celebrating? Um, that that this person has done well or is getting recognition, do, do they not deserve it? Uh, you know, and then and then you can kind of start to feel like, well, if 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 they're or like I like I'm saying with my daughters, they they might say, well, if if I it, like if mom says she's pretty, well then and doesn't tell me I'm pretty too, then then that means I'm not pretty. And well, as as their mother, I'm. I'm complimenting the one. I'm not. I'm not uh, passive aggressively saying you're not pretty because I'm saying your sister is pretty. You know, um, and I think too, if 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 I were to tell you know one of my daughters that uh, they did really well, and then and then immediately went to my other daughters and said, uh, "You're really good too at this or at that." You know, I. Well, okay. Does does that mean the same thing then? <laughs> I think we've all been there too, or it's just kind of like, okay, thanks, you know, kind of a consolation prize, right? Or uh, what is it, the uh, the participation trophy? You know, I, I I want my kids to hear genuine compliments from me and 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 feel that I you know genuinely appreciate them and love them, and and I think you know I just. I, I try my best, right, to um, make it a point to <laughs> let each of them know, you know, how I feel about them. But obviously, I'm not perfect at it. But um, this this uh, a portion of it uh, that I'm referring to kind of got me thinking of a uh, blog post that I uh, wrote um, back in 2014. And I just thought uh, the uh, the way I, I worded it in this um, is better than I could uh, word it now. So I wanted to just uh, briefly uh, read this. Um, it was called uh, forgiveness, just a buzzword. Forgiveness. I forgive you. Please forgive me. I will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men. Has forgiveness become one of those buzzwords that almost kind of sort of doesn't even mean the same thing that it used to? Or is it just that we don't really understand forgiveness in the truest sense of the word? I'll be the first to admit that I really don't. I'm literally still learning about it, and I learn something new every day. I struggled with forgiveness as a young adult because the person I was not forgiving was a family member. And not only that, it was someone I wanted no relationship with, partly because of my pride, partly because it seemed toxic to try to continue a relationship. 
Whatever the reason, I felt completely justified in avoiding this person entirely and inadvertently withholding forgiveness. This key part of whether or not to have a relationship was intertwined in the whole process of forgiveness for me, and I realized very slowly and painfully that it is a completely separate thing. Entirely. I realized a bit of truth, which was that these two things do not go hand in hand. I do not have to have a relationship with someone in order to have truly forgiven them, nor does my forgiving mean I have to suddenly have a relationship with them. I received flack about this because I believe this is a misconception and something deeply rooted in us, especially when it comes to family. Something I've also learned the hard way is that when someone goes through something traumatic— and that word is incredibly subjective. Trauma can come in many forms and degrees. No matter what they are feeling that day, month, or for years is normal and is a part of the healing process. There is no right or wrong way to deal with hurt. There is a right way, however, to heal. And I will say that dealing with hurt and healing the hurt are two separate things as well that are also subjective. There is no one-size-fits-all, and I had to deal with my hurt in my own way and when I was ready, and only then I could allow myself to heal. Another misconception is that you need the offender to apologize for you to be able to forgive them. Wrong. Here's how I know. My offender apologized. Like a real honest-to-goodness, come-to-Jesus kind of apology. No joke. But I tell you what. I felt like I wanted to be okay. I wanted to be able to say, oh, it's all right, come and give me a hug. But that's not how I felt inside. Even though I had no more anger because I had worked through that on my own, I was not ready to forgive. I promise I am not a heartless you-know-what, but I am human, prone to error. Until one day I read a Bible passage in the wonderful book of Matthew and the critical chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 read. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which means to condemn, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. What did I gather from this? How in the you-know-what can I ever expect, hope, have a prayer that Christ will forgive me? If I cannot forgive, am I not expressing my sins and sorrow on a regular basis, pleading for the Lord to say, oh, it's all right, come and give me a hug? Has he not already said this to me, figuratively speaking? Yes, he has. He says it every time. And there's a quote, uh, it says, unknown author, uh, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. When I withhold forgiveness, it doesn't damage anyone else but me. Now, I do believe that there is negativity that that gets, you know, forced 
toward someone when, you know, so withholding forgiveness is, it does still harm others. But but when you think of it in that term that, you know, you're really just harming yourself and, and that's not wise, then it's best to just focus on that. But But I have a new misconception to share. It actually doesn't just damage me. Christ suffered for all sins, not just the ones I commit, but those committed against me. He suffered so I don't have to. By me not letting go, I was essentially saying his sacrifice was not good enough for me. Wasn't his suffering enough? Didn't he do enough for me? Why must I rehash and inflict the wounds over and over again? That image helped me to let go. I love him more than anyone or anything. I would never intentionally hurt him, but I needed to stop unintentionally hurting him as well. Can I tell you, I have literally felt a weight off my shoulders. I was carrying with me like a weighted safety blanket that was killing my spirit. He suffered so you don't have to. The suffering of hurt due to harm done to you or by you. Don't make his suffering be in vain. Release the prisoner. Now I want to go to the portion about the uh, what is called the prodigal son. Now I thought it was interesting. I looked up the definition of the word prodigal because I didn't know what it was. Now, there's two definitions here. It says, spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully, extravagant. And the second one, having or giving something on a lavish scale. What I thought was interesting about that was, you know, when we think about, I, I, think, I think mainly in this story of the, of the uh, prodigal son, we're supposed to realize that who's the prodigal son here? Well, we all are, right? (laughs) And uh, when we think of, when we think of the prodigal son, maybe, maybe it's easy to think too literally, but the the point of a parable is to put yourself in, in, in the, the shoes of the prodigal son and and put our, our heavenly father in the shoes of, of the father, right? And realize that we have all been given Everything, everything we have comes from our Heavenly Father. And what are we doing with what we've been given? Are we spending it on things that our Father would have us be spending it on? Are we using our time and our talents and our blessings wisely? Are we spending time in His house and with him and doing the things that he has asked us to do? Or are we going out as far away from him as we possibly can and wasting away the the things that he's given us? Spending our 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 time and our energy and our money the money he's given us, right? He's given us everything. Are we spending that on frivolity, frivolity, excuse me? Uh, You know, are are we we, uh, associating with people that we shouldn't associate with? Are we participating in things that would be shameful, uh, would bring shame to our our father's name? Are, Are we individuals who have been baptized and have taken upon him our name and then gone and done things that would bring shame to our father 
shame to his name. Uh, have we put ourselves in a position where we are afraid to return to him and say, I, I know I've done wrong. I know I am not worthy to be called your son or daughter. But I need saving. <laughs> I need you to forgive me and I need you to let me back in, even if it's just to be your servant. I will be your servant. That's I will do that. I will do the grunt work. I don't want just the 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 uh, uh, the accolades and and the blessings and and the great the great things. I want to serve you and serve others. There's one more uh, blog post that uh, I I thought uh, uh, was worded well with what I was thinking here and uh, this one was also in 2014 I wrote it in 2014 and it it's entitled I don't judge you don't you judge me I'll skip down I won't read the whole thing but uh, it says I don't share my thoughts experiences and challenges because I think I'm better than anyone or because I have all the answers far from it I share because when people think they are alone in their lives they do bad things Sometimes just having someone to relate to makes all the difference, even if they haven't overcome their trial yet. But especially if I've found something that works for me, I will share. We are stewards of our own selves. You do you and I'll do me. And let's keep it at that. There is no one size fits all. We develop our own selves and our own relationship with our Father in Heaven. We worship Him how we believe we should to properly honor and sustain Him. And just because I choose to attend Sunday services at my local meeting house doesn't mean I think you are on a path to evil if you don't do the same. We are born with our personalities, spirits, strengths, and weaknesses. If you are worried for me, pray for me, or think about me in a moment of meditation. If you feel you need to share something with me, do it. But know I will make my own decision on what to do with that information. Don't love me in spite of my sins. Love me because I am your sister and I deserve your love, not your judgment. Don't use my trials and weaknesses against me. See the good in me and focus on that. When I am ready, I'll make the changes I need to. I am far too busy with my own crap, sins, insecurities, idiosyncrasies, failings, weaknesses, to worry about yours. I have 10 lifetimes worth of work to do, and I am busy trying to shape little people into being better than me. I am exhausted. I need your prayers, not your disapproving looks and ignorance. My only concern is that I can look myself in the mirror and know I am doing my best. I care how the Lord looks on me, not you. I care what he approves of, not you. Calling yourself Christian doesn't mean you have license to judge. It means you hold yourself to a higher standard of conduct and should be held accountable for such conduct. I believe I know better, therefore I strive to do better. Treating all others with kindness and respect, but most of all, non-judgment, to me, means striving to do better. Do I always do and say the right thing? No. Don't expect me to. Don't put me or yourself on a pedestal for we surely will fall jointly or singly. The last point that I realized with this story of the prodigal son was this realization that as I have 
grown as a parent of children, I have seen this story from a, a different perspective in that I love all my children equally. If if one were to stray, I would want them to return. If one stays by me, I, I would value that child. I think we when when we don't have that kind of perspective, we can um, treat our children unfairly. And and I think that when we view this prodigal son story in the wrong way, that just kind of shows that we're not viewing ourselves in the right way or our um, or our you know spirit brothers and sisters. And 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 incidentally, we're not viewing God in the right way either. Uh, so this. This story is multifaceted, but uh, more uh, actually very recently when uh, thinking about this story, uh, when we were talking about it in um, church, in our Sunday school class in church, suddenly what I realized was not only am I the prodigal son at all times, and I have to fight against being the jealous son at all times. <laughs> I am the parent at all times. I I have all of these things as the natural man that's in me, natural woman. I am I am all of these things all the time. And it's 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 tough. When you when you want to be a, a true disciple for Christ, a true follower of Christ. It's a lot. It's a lot to take on. It's it, there's a lot of um, a lot of work to be done on on myself, and uh, and the more work I do on myself, and the more I want to be like um, Jesus Christ, the easier it is to um, rejoice. Uh, for those that uh, have found their way, the more I want to reach out to those that have lost their way. Um, maybe there's those out there that are followers of Christ but don't totally understand what uh, what that means. And they're following more the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. And uh, I think to truly be a, a ministering sister, as I want to call myself, um, I, I need to continually work on forgiveness of myself and others. I know that I struggle with that. I'm actually actively struggling to uh, forgive um, uh, within um, uh, a, a, my uh, well, I'll just I'll just come right out and say it. I'm, I'm I've had issues uh, with in-laws and uh, in-law family members. And it's it's been tough. I've really been wrestling with this idea of of uh, forgiveness. And, uh, you know, how do you have a relationship with people? You know, Christ uh, has has been the ultimate example to me. And I've had some sleepless nights praying about this and and wondering what uh, what does it mean? You know, what not, not what does it mean? What um, what does uh, Christ expect of me? is basically what I was wondering. Like, how, how do I handle this? How do I move past this, you know, when, when all I want to do is run from it? How, how do I face it? How do I, how do I be Christ-like in this situation? And there was a, um, when I was praying, let me see if I can pull it up. I, I was praying about it, and right in that moment, 
the Lord told me to open my app on my phone with the scriptures in it. And and when I opened it up, what immediately popped up was a specific um, specific scripture that I had um, highlighted. What opened up was Matthew chapter 5, and I had highlighted verses 43 through 48. And it says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." And I just realized, yep, this is not easy. This is not, he knows it's not an easy thing. He knows that uh, nothing worth it ever is easy. Uh, But the fact is Christ did it. And because he did it, we are all able to. And that's, you know, like I said, I'm not perfect. Uh, No one but Christ is and we all have to continue working on ourselves and do our best and I will continue to do so. I I am not immune to any of this and I share these things because I am someone who has been in the trenches and am literally still in the trenches and I know that if Christ is saying it's important, if my Father in Heaven is saying it's important, then it is the most important thing, and it's and it's worth working on. And uh, I'm I'm right there with you. So I uh, I leave you with these things and with all the blessings that you need in your life at this time, in the sacred and holy name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.